Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody, the podcast where we like to bottle the chemicals of our opinions into a snortable vial that you can digest with your ear holes. Uh, <laughs> that, um, is this how- is a new uh, a new business line of the podcast that I have just found out about with you, the listener. Well, what can I say? The uh, structure <laughs> is changing, Dixon. You need to sign this contract now uh, and get in while you can. <laughs> before Harvey Keitel forces you to. Oh my, Um, just don't make me sit next to Danny Houston. (laughs) Can do. Um, (laughs) I am your host, John Garcia, as you've heard with us, as well as uh, Michael Dixon. What's up? Um, Excited to start selling drugs to our listeners. It's going to be great. I can (laughs) can smell it. Pharmacies, you know, pharmaceuticals. That Shkreli guy was really on it. He knew. Uh, (laughs) um, And also joining us is Ryan King. All of this is going to be gone in the future. All this podcasts will be out. Drunk podcasters who don't show up, who ramble and go on sidetracks, <laughs> all gone in the future. That's right. <laughs> it's a new day. It's a dawning new day. Um, yeah. And uh, all of this trippy drug talk that we're doing is because uh, we've all stumbled into the haze, the mental quagmire uh, and back out of it. That is uh, 2013's The Congress. You had it all, Robin. A movie queen at 24. All the big studios came crawling. And you slammed all the open doors, crushed all the dreams. Aaron needs me at home. But Aaron is just an excuse. And now what? What are they offering? We want to scan you. All of you. Your body. Your face. Your emotions. Your laughter. Your tears. We want to sample you, preserve you, and we want to own this thing called Robin Wright. Once they sample you and you're in their computer, there's no way back. The studio owns the character. What character? The one that used to be the actor. I want to make you young forever. Wake up, Robin! This is your gate to freedom! Now smile. Can I go back to where I came from? There is no such thing as the place that you came from. You look fantastic. Animated, I mean. You're the sixth one today. The sixth what? The sixth Robin Wright. The Congress is a film by Ari Fullman from 2013 that um, I heard about a while back. I remember seeing trailers for it. And the whole synopsis is just that Robin Wright, the actress, sells her likeness and is digitized for future use by a studio. And uh, there happens to be a a strike going on right now that seems to be about (laughs) that exact same thing. So I thought this is the perfect time to watch this movie. I thought it was just going to be kind of a straightforward, my God, what have have we done as a society? I didn't anticipate that it would go like Ralph Bakshi's Who Framed Roger Rabbit, What the Fuck in Your Brain (laughs) um, kind of ways that it did. Uh, It's also based on a science fiction novel by um uh what's Daniel the Daniel Salim already yeah, already once appearing on this podcast. Yeah. And uh so it was it was one of those things where I was like, okay, you got an adaptation that seems to be tailored more to the Hollywood scene. Uh we have a strike that's going on right now that's all about this. Seems like the perfect time. Um my thoughts on this just off the bat are I liked it and I didn't like it at the same time. <laughs> there are parts of it 
that feel very rough and rushed. Um, there are parts that feel very ham fisted and heavy. And then there are other parts that are really beautiful and just mesmerizing and fucked my shit up. Like in the weirdest <laughs> way possible. I was like, I never would have thought we would end up here at this point where we're talking about how movies would eventually become part of a pharmaceutical company that tries to fuck with your brain in a way that ends up in a dystopian nightmare. But, um, it did like the score was one of those things where like, it's just, everything is underscored in a very beautiful way. Like it carried me through, it flowed with the animation when I kind of wanted it to, it felt like doing drugs without having to do the drugs. Yeah. Um, and I appreciated that. <laughs> uh, there was no real come down. There's just kind of like, it stops at one point and you're like, all right, well, I guess I'm off the ride. Um, the acting is okay. I felt like there were parts where the directing kind of made the acting stiffer than it could have been. Like I listened to some of the commentary tracks and uh, Ari talked about how Harvey Keitel actually told him like what he was, he was like, Harvey Keitel's like, I'm going to do this uh, and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. And Ari was like, you know what? He was right. He was absolutely right. He, he needed to do that. I was like, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I was mixed feelings when I ended the first watch. I watched it a second time and I liked it a little bit more. I feel like it's one of those where it's probably going to hit a cap for me where it's only so much appreciable uh, and, and that'll be that. Um, but I liked it for the concepts it was trying to tackle. I liked the way it tried to tackle them. And I also got this odd nostalgic vibe off of all of it that kind of carried me through uh, even the parts where I was starting to be like, wait, what the fuck's going on? Why are we talking about it this way? What's going on here? Um, I couldn't stop thinking the entire time about how Ryan hates John Hamm through most of yeah. it. Yes. So, <laughs> so I'm very curious to hear Ryan's thoughts on it. Um, but yeah, that, that's my kind of initial take, uh, over this movie. Um, I'll kick it over to Ryan. Yeah. And this is how you trick me into watching a John Hamm and vaguely Tom Cruise in a movie <laughs> i was like that yeah i was like that was tom cruise right <laughs> yeah yeah vaguely tom supposed cruise. to uh, be yeah um yeah i did watch this with darla who like absolutely did not like it um which is probably not surprising once it it went off the rails that i was like oh no we've we've lost her i think the premise sounded interesting enough to her and probably interesting to a lot of people right now i kind of feel like the movie almost immediately forgets about that we get mm -hmm. like a chunk of it, and then that is seemingly irrelevant uh, very quickly, and the movie is something else entirely. Um, I didn't initially realize that this was adapted from Stan Lissau Lim's uh, book, The Future Logical Congress, which I don't understand what the deal is with titles, where whenever they adapt a sci-fi book with an interesting title, they, they have to change like, it. Yeah. neuter <laughs> it entirely and remove anything that sounds interesting from it. Um, not to mention it destroys your search engine optimization for a movie title. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a good why? Point. They should yeah, have named the City Hall. Yeah, <laughs> in 2013, they knew people were going to search for shit and they gave it a name that makes it impossible to find. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I had seen trailers for this back when it came out and it sounded kind of interesting. And I remember it kind of fell off. Like, it seems like it kind of came out. And I didn't really hear a lot about it. I didn't even realize it was animated significantly. That might have interested me more at the time it came out to have watched it. Um, so it's something I kind of forgot about. And then every so often I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll hear something. I'm like, yeah, it's a movie where the Princess Bride gets scanned in to computers or something. Right. But I don't really know what the plot is beyond that. So I was 
not anticipating what I ended up watching. Um, <laughs> I I agree. The directing, I think, is where it got rough for me. The open live action stuff was a little weird. And I felt like some of the cinematography for that was also kind of crappy. Once it hit the animation, I was like, oh, this is a director who can animate. Like, they kind of understand what they're doing now in this space. Because um, it fit the weird mold. Like, everything was, like, the right kind of weird at that point. Um, but it, it ended up just being, like, so disjointed. And I think my one major complaint is that if you end up making a movie where everything is potentially hallucinated and it's unclear what's really going on, your audience is also confused as to what the fuck is actually going on and gives them the sense of that. And you kind of walk away being like, it takes a while to figure out what's going on. And then you walk away being like, all right, I don't really get uh, uh. And I think you're supposed to sort of feel that, but I think this movie pulls it off in a way where you're like, was, was there something going on? Like, was there something I was supposed to be getting out of it? Um, Cause it's not quite clear. And then it's never really clear what exactly does happen, did happen. Um, and I, I think that kind of weakens it when it it doesn't really give you either a cap to tell you it's all bullshit or give you enough to get you through it kind of making sense to where you can see. So I just thought it was a little too disjointed. Yeah. Uh, Dixon? Yeah, that's interesting. I think it, it does feel like he's trying to cram a lot of ideas into this movie, right? Like the first act of the film is, you know, all about Robin Wright having to make this decision on whether she wants to submit to this scan and to never act again and to sell all of her rights away to the studio. And, you know, that's a really interesting idea. It also talking about a lot of like what middle-aged actresses deal with when, you know, people don't want to cast them as much when they, um, you know, uh, get beyond their prime as Don Lemon would say. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and like, you know, maybe making choices to be a mother and to not be as fully involved in her career and then that coming back to bite her later down the line. Um, I, th- I thought that was all really interesting. The filmmaking was a little bland at that part. And then, it, you know, I had no idea it was going animated. And then it did. And I was like, holy shit, what is this? And it looks so good. Like, it's such creative animation. And it dives into these entirely different ideas. It almost kind of forgets what it was doing in the first act of the movie and, you know, gets into these concepts of, uh, like drugs and, um, like VR and, and stuff like kind of, I was pretty shocked at its ability to predict the modern world of 2023 being made in, in 2013, like, you know, 10 years isn't a huge shot forward, but like they really got a lot of things right. And I was, I was pretty shocked by that um i always like robin wright i thought she was great in it um and you know the the animation was really cool some of the concepts don't really gel together in a way that feels satisfying toward the end but i thought each of the ideas it explores were very interesting and the animation was just so stunning to look at that i was able to forgive a lot of of the kind of disconnection there and the each individual idea was so interesting that I was kind of okay with it um, by the end of the movie. But yeah, I, I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, you also just liked the Kubrick references, didn't you? <laughs> 2001, yeah. Hal reading lips moment and the, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the dropping the bomb. Robin Wright doing a that southern was accent yeah. was hilarious, trying to do a <laughs> slim pickings. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that that was the one thing that um, I think that's why I still don't know how I feel about it fully. I think that it's growing on me when I watch it again and again. But even trying to think back on it, it's really hard for me to get my grounding. Like, I know there's a whole moment towards the end of the movie where you get a little bit more of like, a okay, this is actually kind of what's going on in the physical world. But so much of it, like Sasha watched, uh, Sasha came in halfway through which was awful. Like, oh yeah. That that's... was, she just had no idea and was like, what is this? Who are these? And I was like, Nope, I'm not even going to try. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way that I could possibly explain this to you. Um, but like add to that, all these non sequiturs that are thrown in and these bits and pieces of it where it's like, is this a dream? No, that's not a dream. Now Robin Wright wakes up and uh, all of those bits. It, it just became so disorienting to me that, it was kind of like when we talked about sky crawlers and I was like, man, that movie just really steeps you in nihilism and you just feel it in your bones. <laughs> uh-huh. Like yeah. this steeps me in such a disorientation that I was like, I am just on drugs. There's no way to explain what kind of logic is underlying here. Cause even after a second watch, Sasha was like, okay, she actually sat with me for the second watch to get through. And she was like, what, how do the people know where they are? Like, what are they actually doing in the real world? And I was like, that doesn't matter. That's, yeah. Yeah. There's chemicals driving them to do other things and they're off they're in a just different gone. world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that, that's interesting. Cause that, that was what Darla was really hung up with. And even this morning, there's a certain amount of like, it got something out of it. Darla talks about it the next day, whether <laughs> it's some sort of emotion one way or another. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this morning she was just like, well, wait a minute. Like, what, how were the people eating? Like, what were they doing? Like, did they, do they take their clothes off when they have sex? Do like, do they know when I was like, I think it's all in their head. And like, I don't think you really are supposed to think about that part. And I was like, or honestly, none of that is true either. Like she might've imagined the real world. There's some weird sketchy shit about the quote real world that she goes to. Um, so I was like, yeah, and they, she kind of like kept picking it like logical. Like, how does it work underneath the surface? Like, I don't think the movie cares at all about how it works underneath the surface. Yeah. And like, that's why it falls apart at that level, because it's just like, that's not important. There is like, they do establish at the start of the second act that there is an animated zone, right? And yeah. you have to drive into there and like take the drugs to become animated. And so if they have like a strict monopoly on this shit and they're able to guard this area, I just imagine it's a bunch of people running around like crazy without like, having no idea what's you know going on in the real world around them they're just seeing this animated area and i i would have loved to see a, a hard cut to like here's the people as they actually are <laughs> like just yeah. running around like crazy people <laughs> but i that was my interpretation that like oh they're in this other geographic location and they're probably not allowed to leave as long as they are taking those drugs but then but then robin wright takes like the antidote and just like appears back in the real world well, that's after so. 20 years after she gets in because she gets into that world after her oh, 20 right. contract right and then she goes full animated and i think that's the t- the drug testing zone and then another uh-huh. 20 years and she wakes up in la and like everybody's under it and it's just yeah yeah, yeah. at that I point feel like there's an yeah. implication that after she's like frozen for that 20 years that now the drug is way more complex than it was and yeah. like everyone's on it in some way or another, like all over. And it, yeah, I think that's because it does feel like at the beginning when she's initially animated, she's like actually interacting with people and things are happening. But in that later half, it seems to imply it's just in your mind, entirely in your mind. Yeah. What's going on and you're making it up and they're not. I was like, I don't even think they're talking to anyone. Like, I think they stand there 
almost like yeah. catatonic and inside their mind, all this crazy shit's going on and they think they're interacting with people. And are they like hooked up to IVs and, it, you know, like stomach? Yeah, see, this is where it falls apart. Somewhere. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, that immediately sort of starts to fall pod. apart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one of those where I can like speculate for days about what's going on because they show frequent signs of people being gassed and like chemicals mm-hmm. being dropped on them. And they show people that have hazmat suits on in the city after everybody comes out. And you're just like, all right, I guess that they just douse everybody with these chemicals to keep them complacent. And then they probably just tell them, order them around and make them go do stuff. And they're off in this other fantasy psychological world that's in a weird metaphysical plane where John Hamm is for some reason. (laughs) He can talk to you. (laughs) Fuck it. Um, Yeah, those parts definitely just like I would have loved to have seen somebody doing they're doing like routine work or they're doing, I don't know, slave work for the studios at that point. Yeah. They're literally like uh, chipping away at rock to make a new set for something or a mansion (laughs) for some billion dollar dude. So Yeah. (laughs) Interestingly, I will interject like parts from the original book. It is absolutely one of those. I smelled the book cover and then made a movie Mm -hmm. like it's really not related. Um, But in the book, the, the like, all the whole world has been taken over by the the drug stuff as the the main character kind of like comes out of it to the the truth um the like robots that they interact with in their dream are actually other people that have been like duped through drugs into thinking that they're robots that are working for people and so like there's this whole system built around it um of other people hallucinating to keep things going wow that's uh I glance like a little bit of that in this and and it does not care enough to explain any of that. Uh, yeah. It's similarly like he comes out of like at the nice restaurant and he's eating like slop. Uh, like, okay. mm-hmm. right. And so it's that sort of like, oh, you are eating like in that one. It really does feel like it explains it to me because it's like you are eating. You just think you're eating lobster, but you're eating shit like the Matrix, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, <laughs> um, you know, he sees people and they're like running down the road and they think they're in a car, but they're just running. And they like think they're in an elevator and they're actually just climbing up empty elevator shafts. This sounds and... vaudevillian in a way. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah I, I let's talk about the, the kind of like breakdown structure for this, because it's easy to talk about it in the three acts that it goes through. We don't have to go through each of them, you know, time by time, but just, it starts off in the real world and we have the whole setup of Harvey Keitel as the agent who's just, completely roasting he's like the worst agent to me i can't tell if he's yeah. like a really good agent or the worst agent ever he seems very it's manipulative like, yeah and he even gives a whole big monologue that's emotional about like how he's manipulating robin wright uh and all of it feels so on the nose and like wait i don't know just parts of it feel like um like a 50 percent of the way black mirror episode <laughs> Where it's just kind of like, okay, it's we've got like an idea here somewhere. We really just need to get to the cool part. Um, starting off with like, you know, Robin Wright's family and how she has a son that she's trying to care for. And he has some kind of condition where he wants to blow up airplanes using kites. I don't really know what his... <laughs> he wants to like mer- <laughs> see his kite hit an airplane because he yeah. thinks it would be beautiful or something. Or yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> he wants to get it caught in a turbine. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Um yeah, it was just one of those where I was like, okay, I don't know what this is about. And the moment that like the studio exec is like, how old are you? I was like, okay, they're going to bring in like, here's the actress's plight and all of that. But then they, they kind of swerve into eh, the whole industry's changing. Just fucking sign this contract. And then it goes into that deliberation. 
And I feel like that could have been done so much better. There's so many moments in this where I'm like, ah, that was just so close. Like them talking with the cinematographer at yeah. the very beginning where she's like, I know you like you're, I worked with you and you're doing this now. And he's like, I don't feel bad for me. I got work now. It's good. I'm, it's okay. Yeah. So you get to um, work with actors and light. <laughs> yeah. And I get to ask yeah. you to take your clothes off. And I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> what? I did. Uh, and I liked the, when they bring the video to show Robin Wright, like a scene that's been filmed with two completely AI computer generated actors that have been replaced and the one of them's eyes like bugging out through the whole yeah. thing yeah like that was funny like that's the right love and they're all like oh it's amazing it's amazing but you like you just like see that eye twitch uncanny valley thing like yeah. that's funny like i liked that space um and kind of yeah i'm like i kind of wish that this was like two separate movies and we just actually had the movie about the like hey what happens to this industry and uh, yeah, ex exactly. Like women aging out of the industry, being forced out. Yeah, Tom Cruise is still good to go, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked that in the future they showed him with gray hair. I was like, what? No, no, there's no way he would ever allow that to happen. <laughs> Animated Tom Cruise would never allow his hair to be gray. No. Uh -uh. <laughs> he would just will it back to brown. <laughs> you can't get out of the flight suit, though, apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Contractually obligated. Um. Yeah, that was kind of the one thing I, I I wish that there were more the parodies themselves within the content. That was what felt like the 50% Black Mirror to me. Black Mirror always has kind of like a biting way to do its commercials. It's not like the what do I know? I'm a bear. Um, it's, you know, way more subtle or like really close to kind of the onion satire. And I yeah. was hoping that some of it would be less of this like on the nose, even when Robin Wright is digitized, her movie trailer is just absolute shit. It's like there was not the really yeah. any effort put into that. It was more like, all right, we got the point across. You're good. Um, but I, I just prefer that to be done in a way that is more involved. Like there's more care put into the cynicism. Um, it just felt really hmm. aggressive, <laughs> like outright aggressive of like, why do we fucking need to do this? You already know what we're talking about kind of thing. Yeah, that's interesting. That. I I did think that they made an interesting point around like it, and you hear this today with movies where you know, she was complaining like, wait a minute, if you're gonna just digitize all the actors and just make them do things, like the movies aren't gonna be good. And he, Danny Houston's like, you fucking think movies are good? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, they've always sucked. Like, we've always written the same stupid rom com scripts and blah blah blah. And like, it's not gonna be any different than it ever has been. It's just like. You get to go sit on a beach now instead of having to go to work and you get to be young forever and super famous. and Everyone's going to love you and blah, blah, blah. And it, uh, it, it feels like the, you know, almost corporatization and productization of movies now with Marvel and DC and everything has to be a franchise. And, you know, we talked about a few weeks ago about how, like, you know, a lot of reasons that movies are getting d dumber is because they've got way too many writers and producers you know, getting their hands involved and when it becomes just like creating a product to get eyes on it rather than a piece of art. And and this felt like to me that it was kind of commenting on that, which was definitely happening in 2013, but is, you know, even more so today. Yeah. But well, I think the good, like the scene later in the animation where she goes back to, but by the way, Danny Houston 
always fucking love him. <laughs> so oh, I disagree. Him <laughs> uh, he's fucking I feel awesome like Danny Houston is the third generation nep- Nepo baby. Who, that's the only reason he gets work is because his dad was John and his grandfather was Walter. <laughs> but he does do slimy corporate sleaze bag yes. very well. Yes, he that does. is yes. his one bit that he's good at. <laughs> um, but like when she goes to his office in the cartoon world and it's like in a broom closet with like his name on a piece of paper taped to the door. And then he's talking about like, oh, the next stage is like, oh, these fucking writers and animators are screwing up all of our shit. We need to we need to replace them as well like that. I was like, OK, now we were that was interesting to me. That almost yeah. immediately gets cut off. But I'm like that. That's when the then we don't give a shit about the plot anymore and we move into the other thing. But like if we could have kept going with that of like the eventual like replacement of everything, like everything frustrates them and it all needs to be computers. How much can we save? How much can we cut? And then at the same time, if we could have examined like Robin Wright's fight with her identity mm-hmm. is now she's this like big movie actress and she's the, you know, the puppet at all of like uh, the one clip that it shows of her like at the movie premiere being like, you know, I think this is actually a documentary about robots' plights, like the bullshit. Yeah, yeah that, that was great. <laughs> like, just examining that, to have her, like, seeing herself saying those things that she wouldn't say, and, like, but now she's more popular than she was. Like, there's so many interesting things to examine there that, like, not, we we just use that to start. You're right. It's like a, it's mm-hmm. like one of those half-assed Black Mirrors where they kind of, like, they came, they're like, oh, shit, we need one more episode for this season, and they kind of cram in, like, a, it's even more like uh like not Twilight Zone, but it was the Outer Limits. It's outer, like an Outer yeah. Limits, like a questionable Outer Limits episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I actually thought when the first act ended and you get the like ten years later title card, usually that kind of stuff kind of annoys me when they like jump forward a, lo- a long way in time. But I actually was excited when I saw that. I was like, oh great, we're gonna get to see like what the end state is of this when it's just movies are only you know AI representations of of actors and you know they're not actually really truly making real movies anymore and it just didn't yeah it didn't deal with any of those ramifications at all and it's like this you create you've created this setup that is fascinating and then completely abandon it and explore other fascinating ideas but it's like what you know there's just so much to tap into here and they just kind of abandon it in the first act yeah honestly to ryan to your point i would have loved to have seen this be a two-part movie i mean i don't know how you'd get the funding secured to do that because <laughs> i don't think that it's going to bring people back for the second part but to watch like robin wright struggle for you know maybe the latter end of that 20 years to to do anything that feels fulfilling or like it's her art anymore and it's all just kind of shut down and seeing all these interviews of herself that she's not giving um on television finally culminating in her being like look i need to fucking go when my 20 years is up and go to this contract renewal thing and then have the second movie just be this acid road trip into whatever like the next generation of entertainment is supposed to be like this this is the evolution of where we're going we just want humans to be in bottles where they pay us money and give us Mm -hmm. their fluids to fuel our shit (laughs) And, and we'll give them all these hallucinations and dreams and whatever the fuck they want um yeah, like I, it would have worked so much better pacing wise for me, or I just I can think one or the other. Uh, yeah, as it is, it's such a grab bag. I'm not entirely sure it doesn't land any of the the things that it seems to get up in the air. It just kind of ends at some point because it has. Yeah. To. Uh, 
I mean, and I thought where it went in the second and third acts was fascinating and I was on board for it, but I was also just felt like I was kind of duped in that they presented this idea and just abandoned it. Yep. Yeah, because the the book starts with the Congress, like it literally is the person going to the hotel, starting to trip out. Oh, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the Congress gets invaded and all the gas like fucks up the main character. And they fall into the basement. So, like, all that stuff is similar. And then they keep having these hallucinations in the basement, right? Which is kind of what happens to her. She gets there. Once she goes in the animated world, there's some, like, trippy shit where she seems to maybe remember something or just hallucinate something. Realizes she's kind of being fucked with. When the Congress is attacked, it all goes to shit. And she starts, like, having these various sets of hallucinations. And in the book, it's just, it's it's very, like, the hallucinations they have are relatively similar, minus the John Hamm coming in animator crap or whatever. Like, the rest of it's vaguely similar. Um, and then there's no kid with a debilitating disease. Um, and then, yeah, then you're just sort of left reading the book of, like, okay, which of these things happened? Did any of them happen? And it actually caps it off in that book. It makes it clear that it's, like, he wakes up, and they're like, oh, it's day two of the Congress. <laughs> like he's imagined all of it, including the future, including coming out of the re- like to the true reality in the future. Like he imagined all that. It's just been one day of mad tripping. Yeah, that's brutal. Hmm. Uh, that kind of time dilation fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> when it comes to taking drugs, everybody take it from <laughs> me. Uh, I've John's never been on a like, lot of a lot of things lately. I just got back from the Congress. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there, let's talk about some of the trippy shit. That uh, okay, anybody have anything off the top of their head that they're like that shit right there was fucking great. I liked that moment. Um, I'll turn it over, Dixon. Anything that jumps out at you? Um, man, there's so much. Like it, everything's such a wild ride from there. I think one of the they, like when you don't really know what's going on yet and she's in the animated zone and in the hotel and she's like checking in it's like i'm robin wright and she's like oh you're the sixth one today you're like wait a minute, what is going on and you see in the background of that scene all of these characters doing these drugs and turning into other other animated creatures for like three seconds and then popping back into themselves and it's just it's a really interesting visual and you're not really sure what is going on yet and it was it was a scene that like really pulled me in. I was like, okay, I, I am interested to see what the hell's happening here. Yeah, when that like classic Acme scientist turns into John Wayne for three seconds. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> I, yeah. And like, I believe the, it was Clint Eastwood. But, no, the uh, CEO turns into Clint Eastwood later. Oh, okay. That's when he's like, yeah, check he it out. We've, bags of money. we've cracked the chemicals of free will and he just like screams into the audience yeah, and does uh-huh. drugs and turns into Clint Eastwood. The guy that looks like Conan O'Brien. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Conan, uh-huh. Clonan O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. yeah, I think that initial scene with all the trippiness where you, you, you as the audience and Robin Wright are trying to figure out like, what the fuck is this? And yeah, all those people are transforming and shit. Similarly, when she wakes up 20 years in the future and it's like that, but even more with all the people like as gods and transforming into various things that I think is where the animation is like at its best, like the most complicated and at its best at being trippy. Uh, I did really enjoy the Congress, like the chaos of the like CEO giving this nonsense speech about how they're all going to fuck everybody over and make a bunch of money. It felt like an Apple product launch. Yeah, they're (laughs) chanting his name and shit. Yeah, Uh exactly. That I thought was great. Yeah, that that bit, the um, 
the highway, the acid highway that Robin Wright takes when yeah. it's transitioning, that shit just immediately, yeah, was I was cool. like, whoa, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, between that and then uh, I think like the cockroach card game. and In a lap and, or whatever. Yeah, and John and John Hamm talking about being Zeus. Like that moment um, when John Hamm <laughs> no, talks about how he did Zeus. a drug and he imagined being Zeus and turning into a bull and taking a woman <laughs> to an island and fucking it into existence. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, I know this myth. John Hamm had this myth in his mind. This is fucking wild. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like it's, it's just profound knowledge of an acid trip where you're like, I was this thing and I did this. And it, I think at that point it kind of clicked for me what the chemical compounds they were trying to fuck with were and like how that factored into the rest of the story. So up until then, I was like, I really don't understand what the animated character's significance is other than I guess you want to be what you want to be. But <clears throat> I always thought of that. Maybe it's just a, a, a visual bar- barrier for me where like, I would see it in like a 3D animated or something if you did a CG character. But to imagine everybody goes into Toon World when they do their drugs uh-huh. and then at some point they come out and are real or that they have a tether to the real world. Then I, I just had spent the first watch of the movie trying to reconcile that in my brain. It was kind of wild. Um, I yeah. do like the throwback animation, though, like that. It doesn't. It isn't a sci fi feel like I think that's what's interesting is if you did. Yeah, more like modern 3D animation, it would feel like that science fiction, you know, or you do kind of like a Tron, you know, or whatever, like it's like, oh, we're in the computer or whatever, or we're in the other world, but it going to something that is like, you can't exactly experience like like in that Looney Tunes where everything is turned up. They say Looney Tunes, but it's totally the like. Uh, early 20s, 20s kind of. Yeah, it's like the early Disney slash like Popeye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of time. Uh, Fleischer cartoons like, yeah. um, which is cool. Cause I don't feel like you always see that. You're starting to see a little bit more where people are throwing back to it for a while. That's kind of been a forgotten animation to, to style to do, but that like zany over the top kind of crazy world, like fits the, like, this is any, anything goes chaos that I agree. Then is like, how do you reconcile it with the world? It's, it like allows you to, to not, you're just you can't it doesn't really make sense yeah yeah like, it, what are they doing when they turn into birds and flap their arms like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know but it looks cool yeah yeah um yeah and and for me i thought it was an interesting kind of way to talk about both like drugs and uh to me i i thought a lot about virtual reality when watching this because of you know basically like giving people drugs that they can use to turn into whatever they want, represent themselves however they want, be in this crazy animated world that is apart from their shitty normal lives. Um, it made me think about like, it felt like a good version of Ready Player One, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, fuck that movie. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was was really interesting and it almost had a like a, a classism connotation to it as well, right? Where like, you know, you go back to the real world in the third act and everybody is like in poverty and it's just like a horrible place to be. There's like, seems to be somewhat some sort of fascist control over everything. And, you know, it's like, Oh, well, you know, the underclasses can ignore this by just, or, or the underclasses can't ignore this because they're stuck in the real world dealing with it. And the middle to upper classes can just like take this drug and not have to deal with it. Right. And, uh, you know, just be distracted by, 
Netflix and VR and, and that kind of thing. It made me think of kind of society right now where, you know, you have so much poverty and, and homelessness, and then you have people in, you know, middle to upper class who can just kind of avoid it and live in a separate society that doesn't feel real. You know, it, it's just so separate from like the reality of everyday life for, for so many people. Um, and then you've got like the Danny Houston's that are, are kind of controlling everything and running these huge corporations that are able to make movies and produce drugs at the same time because there's so few companies. And um, yeah, I, I thought it was a very interesting kind of portrayal of what the world is like right now. Really interesting cautionary tale on like just the <laughs> not even um, movies specifically, but entertainments trend toward masturbatory like indulgence. Yeah, mm -hmm. There's so much around it that is like, look at the be the characters you want to be or like the the main thing that they kept coming back to in the movie was, um, oh, we're just going to sell you this drug that'll let you recast your favorite characters uh, in the movie in another movie or, right. you know, put somebody you love into the things that you really care about for your pop culture and your media. And it's like, oh, you basically just strip out the entire voice of any other artist and shape the world the way that you want it. And then you live in your own distortion bubble. And that's the whole premise of, all right, now we have you kind of locked away. You don't communicate with anybody else. Your free will is effectively when they talked about cracking the code for free will in, uh, <laughs> in their drugs. I was like, oh, he's saying the loud, the quiet part loud as well, because it's like, well, if we've cracked that, then that means we've cracked the inverse of it as well. We know exactly how to subjugate you right. beyond freeing your will. And so uh, it was it was wild and chilling to see the crowd just cheering for that shit. So many people turning into other characters and like just indulging. Yeah, the, the Clint Eastwood shooting go golden dollars all over everybody and <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of curious which parts of this. So we've talked about how it doesn't really last a, a lot of like the, the narrative plots it picks up and then it just kind of drops here and there. Is there any particular one topic in this that you would have liked to have seen it take all the way or have been the main focus for it? Because we talked about the balance. I feel like either the, the, that's why I come like the two movies. I'm like, either we go down the path of like, we're scanning actors and replacing them. And then what is that media? And what is their, like, what is the artist's voice would have been interesting or just straight up the, everything is like animated and everyone's taking these drugs and disconnected. And what seems like this amazing utopia where you can do whatever you want is really everyone in rags eating shit, thinking that it's great. Um, like those are good. It just marries the two sorta and then it throws in some shit around it that never really like has any bearing on anything either. So I'm like, just examine mm. those and then kind of cut off a lot of the other stuff and go one way or the other. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I would also say that I think the second and third act stuff was, was super interesting, you know, ready player one, but better was super interesting, but it didn't even try to resolve itself. You know, it's just the movie right. kind of ends and you're done with it. And so like, I wish it had a, pushed it a little bit further to the point where either do people start realizing what's going on and, and fighting back against it or is there like just a, a resigned defeat there where you have this nihilistic outcome where you know what this is just how it's going to be and there's nothing we can do to fight past it i think you could have had a super interesting dark ending to this movie exploring that idea further and it just felt like you know the, this feels like the director 
trying to put out a bunch of interesting ideas into one yeah. thing and just not really knowing what he thinks about them or how to resolve them. It kind of vaguely has a dark ending in that her son jacked himself into the whatever it is, the, the other world. Right, uh, right, when she was she, leaving it. Yeah, and then she goes back in and, you know, supposedly sees her son, but I have to think you think there's no way... Like she's yeah. just imagining all that, yeah. like that. That's what she wants to see. Um, so it does kind of have a bit of a dark. Again, it doesn't really like explicitly make it dark per se, mm -hmm. and it doesn't explicitly like show you the whole world is crap. It kind of gives you just enough, and then it's like, all right, we're done. Like we're it's over. I Movie's also felt over. like there wasn't a strong enough emotional tie between her and her son for that ending to like really Correct. hit with the gravity or, that it needed to, you know. Or her and John Hamm, or right, her like I don't Paul feel Giamatti like we really got. Or yeah, we haven't even talked about yeah. Paul Giamatti. <laughs> yeah, my yeah. favorite guy, Paul yeah. Giamatti. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, because the whole like after she wakes up and she and John Hamm just like wander around and he like points at things. Uh -huh. Kind of felt pointless that like it was just like, oh, here's this, here's this. And then they stand on a hill and it's like, your daughter's probably over there. Those are the people that make babies. All right, now we're flying somewhere else. Uh, like, <laughs> let's fuck over near this airport with the flapping wing planes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the whole John Hamm subplot was super weird because it's like, I, on the one hand, I don't know if he's trying to comment on, um, you know, our obsession with celebrities and in this world where he can put Robin Wright in whatever movie he wants, he seems to have a very unhealthy obsession with her. And he like tells her, like, I'm in love with you. I've been obsessed with you over this whole time. And it does not end well for for him. And and that's, I guess, kind of interesting. But I also just didn't give a fuck about his character. But I did think it was pretty funny when Robin Wright's like, I got to get out of here and, and find my son and get back to the real world. And he was like, I have one pill that can do it. I don't have two. And so, like, you're welcome. I'll give it to you, but then we can't see each other ever again. She's like, I'll fucking take it. <laughs> he takes away from it, takes the pill, and he's like, just tell me that you love me just so I could feel like I matter. And then she's like, I love you. And then she takes the fucking pill and leaves. Like, clearly does not give a shit about this dude, which is pretty funny. But yeah. I love, yeah, he takes it out and he's like, don't take it. Like, don't leave me or whatever. And Darla's like, then don't tell her you have it. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I think he he was almost like trying to set up a scenario where she had to choose him and he wanted her to, you know, actually love him as a person, which there's no reason she would do that. She has no connection to this guy except for a couple short periods of time, 20 years apart. Right. And then, like, of course, she's just going to take the fucking pill and leave like that. Just a, a brutal ending for that guy. But like, who cares? He, <laughs> yeah, he made the but, mistake of doing what the pharmaceutical companies could not giving somebody choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, I feel like I would have liked to have seen to me in a way this felt like it was Robin Wright's Birdman. <laughs> Um, okay. I felt like there was a very interesting cause there's that whole meditation in Birdman of Michael Keaton having been a superhero actor and, you know, ties to Batman and everything. And here it's like the princess bride is that anchoring of yeah. like, Oh, I remember you from this and that. Um, and I would have liked to have seen that be like the core thing. I, I really love the acid trips and everything in it, but I feel like anybody could have wandered into that particular setup of here. You yeah. know, we're a pharmaceutical company doing this. Uh, and I would have yeah. much rather liked to have seen something that fully fleshed out and gave Robin Wright something to play with. She gives her monologue about choice to Harvey Keitel. And I felt nothing because it felt hollow. It felt like it was over-directed, overwritten. Um, I didn't know that if she had any notes, like uh, Ari Fullman said that like 
she really didn't have a lot of criticism for the cynicism in his script. He felt like he was adding all of these really mean spirited comments on actresses and everything. And he thought that at some point she would be like, this is too much, but she didn't. I was like, I think that that's a she's sign a that she's a pro and she'll <laughs> just fucking do it. And that you probably should have collaborated a little bit closer with her on like what she actually would want to explore, mm -hmm. but she was so ready to work with him that it ended up being like, yeah, whatever you want to do, Ari, like, let's do it. Um, so I just, uh, I want to see something where she has that chance again. And I don't know if it'll ever come, but this felt like it was the moment. Um, and instead we get this, which I'm still fine yeah. with, but not what it I like been. the running gag that nobody remembers who she is or her name. Like yeah. that's funny. Um, and it, it never, that was the other thing too, is I thought that it was going to say at some point, like why it was important that it was her, that there oh, yeah. was like something about her that made it worthwhile to scan her or it was something different or like why they were pushing for it. And like at the, you know, in that middle chunk, her and not Tom Cruise are sitting there and it's like, <laughs> oh, we're the only two left. And it's like, why? What? What does that mean? Like, we didn't we don't get anything, but just that little comment. And again, it's like it's unclear. Like, what is it that made her different? Because, again, then the later half of the movie doesn't care about that anymore. Yeah. And like it could have been, oh, she has something special that they can't capture otherwise. Or she has some authenticity. You know, the fact that she turns down she's from Texas. that everybody else gets. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Which is, an, that was the other thing is like interesting is like uh, the line between the real Robin Wright and the not real Robin Wright, that it's like, mm. she's from Texas, which she's not, and here's her kids, which she doesn't have. <laughs> and like, <laughs> but she was in those movies and they make it out like she's only been in horrible bombs after two movies. But I'm like, now she had other movie roles that were good too. So it's kind of like, mm -hmm. And and whatever, like, I guess it kind of makes you question, like, does she walk away from roles? Does she storm out on stuff? Like, that, yeah, that also was, like, unclear. I didn't like that, that it wasn't an actual cinematographer either, which is why I'm on my little Oh, rant. yeah. That would have been a funny nod if we, like, actually got a famous cinematographer yeah, in Roger as Deacon's, the cinematographer. Yeah, the yeah. Out Surely, the <laughs> yeah that, that would have been, like, a good little trivia nod for the, you know, people in the know. Yeah. Emmanuel Lebesky, what are you doing here? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I think also one of the things I thought um, was kind of thought provoking in the first act of the movie was they everybody kept telling Robin Wright, Harvey Cartel and Danny Houston kept telling Robin Wright, you just like spoiled your career away because you made so many bad choices, right? And it's like they're putting the onus on her, like, oh, you were so good in the Princess Bride and Forrest Gump, and then you never did anything like that anymore. Like you just like ruined your career by doing the movies that you did it's like at the end of the day these studios have much more control on who is in their movies than the actors have on what movies they choose right and it's like they are probably more at fault for those choices than she was but they're they're putting the blame on her like what were you thinking you could have done anything you wanted but well, no she couldn't have like you you know Danny Houston's running that studio and not picking her for things like that's that's on him. And then they use that as a weapon to get her to sign this contract really cheaply. I think Danny Houston makes a, a comment when she's up for her 20 year renewal, like we got your contract for a fucking song, you know, and then we made so much money off of it. And you, you, will you just resign at the same terms? Like, yeah, yeah. Just... Except this time they're going to be able to drink you and eat you. Right. Yeah. Like shakes and shit. Uh, <laughs> they'll be able to turn into you whenever they want. 
Yeah. Yeah. The the balance of the theme of free will and like her lack of it doesn't fully get explored either. Like I think that would have been interesting. The angle with her son having this like slow disconnection from the world where he no longer sees and hears it and potentially is like making the decision of how he perceives that world. Yeah. Also doesn't get explored. Very unfleshed out. Yeah. Yeah. And like, those are the things where it's like, I feel like they had an idea there and then that was it. They're like, Oh, this is symbolic. Like stick a kite in this scene. But it was like, yeah, because he's making a decision not to hear the right word. That is like, you yeah, know, the same thing as somebody taking drugs to distort reality or something. I don't, I don't that know. whole sequence of Paul Giamatti explaining that, I was like, oh my God, I don't like this. I don't like this scene at all. That sounds like not a real thing. And, um. <laughs> and then when it immediately went into the lip reading 2001 thing, I was uh, like, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> this has some of the most ham fisted homages where I was like, okay, I get it. You really like Kubrick. Like, I understand. Um, it, the, it just, uh, uh, the one with her in the movie and they're just straight up copying Dr. Strangelove. I know that that's was funny. funny. Yeah. Because yeah, yes. I feel like that being like that on the nose derivative in the universe makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. agree. Yeah. The like the howl and then kind of when she like re-wakes up, it's not exactly the like baby sequence from 2001, but it, it vaguely is mm-hmm. as well. Right. Like that kind of stuff was a little too like, ah, yeah, all right. Yeah. I, it's one of those things where it stood out a lot. It stood out to me when they did the strange love uh, sequence in the sense that like, I wish that they would have done more of that in different veins to like, I guess you only have to do it once to get it into the audience's mind and be like, this is what you're doing. But like when I was watching, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood, there's a whole segment where they put Leonardo DiCaprio in the great escape for like no reason, really. That's like part of his memory, but it it fits within the context of the scene that it's going on in. Mm -hmm. And here it feels like, it just kind of happens. And I understand that it's part of the world where people can dream whatever they want to dream. And John Hamm's kind of talking about it, but it's interspliced in between two dreams of Robin Wright being found by the Miramount police who just show up and are like, you're breaking the law again. You can't fucking sing here. I'm like, I forgot the studio is called Miramount. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was Miramount Nagasaki. I like how they like yeah. more yes. as it goes on. <laughs> but yeah, I felt like moments like that could have, used a little more repetition or seeing multiple fake trailers with her to like really build it out because we only see triple R like robot Robin rebel or whatever yeah. the fuck it is. Uh, and we see it. You twice. want some Tropic Thunder type shit in this I would, movie? Yeah. I think that yeah. it would give a little more credence to everything else. Show me one with Tom Cruise. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Those are the parts that I felt like it, it lacked to even make up for some of the other stuff that it wasn't trying to explore, but uh yeah that's that's kind of like my two cents on it overall i I only remember from the score itself like everything kind of gently waves with whatever the scene is like i felt like the emotions were there the only real song that i remember from the score is the acid highway intro where like there's like trumpets and like horns and like drums that are Uh starting to build as like the waves are building and then suddenly moby dick just jumps out of fucking nowhere and then this giant (laughs) boats with faces and shit um it's so regal and like over the top and bombastic that it seems like something a studio would do (laughs) in a presentation also they're like take these drugs and drive into this animated zone (laughs) that sounds like a wonderful idea just you're (laughs) as you're driving you're gonna start seeing some weird shit it's gonna look cartoony just go with it 
It's going to be cool. Yeah. Amazing. Like completely unprepared for that. Yeah. Darla was like, how does she stay on the road? <laughs> like, it's all you know, just immediately slam on the brakes. And like, uh, oh my God. Yeah. What's <laughs> happening to me? Uh, yeah. Um, well, uh, I didn't have anything else really. Was there anything else that y'all wanted to talk about? That was kind of, we, we got into all the areas that I wanted to discuss. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's, there's so much that could have been explored for like, I feel like, oh, we could jump in and have a huge conversation about what this means about modern society or about like the plight of actors currently and all this stuff but like the movie doesn't dive far enough into them where it's like it feels like we can only discuss those things at a surface level and then we have to move on to the next thing that the movie's trying to say but um yeah i mean i i I thoroughly enjoyed all of the topics it brought up but yeah yeah Yeah. it was like a good wiki article Uh (laughs) in a way it was like a wiki article on acid um or you know like a college freshman got high and wrote a thesis paper yeah. or something <laughs> yeah i feel like this had everything that i should have been into like this feels like a formula that is like perfect for me like animation trippy it really does yeah dystopia mm-hmm. based on a sci-fi you know series that i uh, author that i like um but I'm like, yeah, it just didn't land though enough. It was too many different things at once. Yeah. Um, even add to that, like I have nitpicks with the animation here and there where it felt like it was either too rotoscoped, too stiff. Yeah. There were certain parts where Robin Wright's acting the shit out of something and the animation was not speaking to that level because it yeah. was going slower. I actually thought they animated Robin Wright's face pretty badly. Like it didn't mm-hmm. look like her at all. And and yeah, when she was reciting lines dramatically, she was just stone faced on on the animation. Yeah, very minimal brow movement. And like really anytime that it moved fast, that's kind of where it reminded me of like a Ralph Bakshi film because Bakshi's animation style in any of those movies. Yeah. There's a certain kineticism to it where it'll go faster at times and then at other times it'll go slow and it kind of separates the performance of the vocals from the actual animation um and i felt like that this definitely had some of that suffered from it. yeah the like stiffness of her and john ham's animated characters against the complete chaos nonsense of everything else around them yeah i feel like it was a decision but it also feels weird feels off i think as well this just falls in that time period of animation transition of the 2010s where like CG animation is now what you do. And I'm not entirely sure the director was fully comfortable in that space either because there wasn't really anything that it was trying. He was trying to make old cartoons style, but having to use the modern technology. And I feel like in the last five years, people have finally figured out how to make that really, really work. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was, it's a little disjointed because I could kind of tell, this is me watching so much animation, I could tell when it was just like a background and these like 3D characters in it, like kind of moving through it because it's like you can kind of almost feel the seams of like they're moving by each other, but they're supposed to be on a 2D plane, but it's it's not. Like there were just some things that I saw where I'm like, eh, you know, don't turn the camera because now we'll realize it's 3D when it's not supposed to be. Like, if you, mm-hmm. if you can't pull yeah. it off right, ruin the illusion here and there. Yeah. Um, well, the only other thing really that I have is uh, if you could take, if you had to take one of these nightmare dystopian drugs and you 
got to be whoever you wanted to be, who would you be? Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, why not? Right. For three seconds, you turn into who you want to be. And then you immediately back. change back. <laughs> what a, right what back, a whiplash yeah. experience that has to be. Man, yeah. like, that doesn't even sound fun. That just to, sounds so <laughs> jarring. Like, I feel like you would just burst into tears afterwards. To like, experience just, the cosmically dense racism of John Wayne in three seconds. <laughs> <for> three <laughs> seconds. <laughs> but uh, to have your body morph into an entirely different shape and pop back in three seconds, like, that yeah. just sounds physically painful and emotionally terrifying and uh, yeah i I guess maybe after you kind of gotten used to being a cartoon i think you have to like get a day of just being a cartoon and then you can start doing some light body transition and then you can go really crazy you gotta work yourself into it (laughs) interesting so like cartoon or real people or what are we talking about here i I think seemingly anything anything yeah anything i guess cloud apparently yeah Yeah. Apparently, you can be some weird fucking leaf man. Uh, John Hamm turned into one for a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> with cockroaches playing poker on his dick. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah. But, uh, sure. <laughs> Darla asked the other day, she had it as like an icebreaker question for her classes that she's starting of like, if you could be any character in any book or movie or show or whatever for one day, what would it be? And I like sat there just contending with all the different possibilities and could never really come down to like pin myself down. Yeah, that's, on anything. that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, you, you, it's almost like that. Well, I'm getting the one shot at it. Should I pick something completely wild so I can experience something? But then I'm also mm-hmm. like every single like universe or thing I think of, I'm like, that's too dangerous to be in. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's that. no danger if you're just on drugs in a cartoon version of that. Right. Person. If you're just hyper imaginating, you know, yeah. whatever it is. I, I also often go with the my dreams are already so bizarre anyway that I have to contend with that I don't know that I necessarily <laughs> need any more. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need that stimulation. Yeah. I had a, I had a whole dream that, like last week that I, that was like a good fellas movie. Oh, damn. Where, oh, wow. Yes. Where I kept, uh, like I had all this money, but I was keeping it in cash, like Ray Liotta. And I had it like in bags in my car, like hidden in different places. So when I went in to do a transition, a transaction, I would bring in just $1,000 and like have the other stuff in it. But then in my car, it all was like trapped. So when you unzipped it and opened it, it blasted drugs in your face. (laughs) So if anyone tried to steal shit from my car. (laughs) Wait, what kind of drugs is this? This sounds like an expensive insurance policy. Right. Yes. Well, apparently I just had bags of thousands of dollars in my car so it was okay yeah (laughs) so your answer is that guy you want to be that guy in your dream (laughs) man your dreams are way better than mine ryan i had a dream i was watching indiana jones and the dial of destiny and this woman wouldn't stop talking next to me she ruined the whole movie i mean the movie also ruined the whole movie (laughs) i think you mean the movie ruined her conversation (laughs) it's true yes but she ruined dial of destiny and dial of destiny ruined indiana jones (laughs) that's right it was a culmination of ruinings. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know who I would be. I asked that question yeah. without knowing. I have, I, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. Would I be in this world, just a cartoon version of whatever thing, or would I be in that weird cartoony world? Or? You'd be in the weird, weird cartoony world where you can shape whatever scenario you want, I guess. Yeah. You'd be with the crowd of other people that are Buddhas and stuff. I don't know. Fucking fly. Uh, I'm going to go with a, a weird one. Uh, Roadrunner. Uh, okay. you get Ooh. to like be super fast and basically fly and just fuck with people, draw like fake tunnels into walls and go through them and watch <laughs> people slam into them. Hell yeah. Uh, that would be fun. 
I would be Space Jam 2's LeBron James, and I would apologize to oh, everybody I've ever heard. Yes. I'd go on my, my penance tour. I want an apology from Don Cheadle. No, I, I expect that shit from LeBron, but... Yeah. Don Cheadle's better than that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think I would be one of the, the small soldiers. I think that's... Or no, one of the Gorgonites or whatever from small soldiers. Gorgon. Yeah, I'd be... The, <laughs> I'd be the uh, the the like fat British one. I was like, oh, we're not supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just be a very gentle man. Just gonna stand in the window and look at the wind. Yeah, uh, wind. Where is Oregon? <laughs> <laughs> I would squander like innocence. Yes. Uh, yeah, Dixon would prank me, mm-hmm. paint a tunnel on a wall. Yep. <laughs> Run through it and then watch you slam into it. Oh God, that'd be great. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, like for me, I'm like, I always want like a, just a chill experience of just like getting to like chill out or do that. This is the sort of thing where every time I think about this, I'm like, I could just go sit on a lake. Like I don't have to be something else or somewhere else. Like I can <laughs> just go do that. Um, but yeah, but if I think you're going like, to be a cartoon, wouldn't you want one with the versatility and, and creativity of Roadrunner? Lake? <laughs> it's the lake from Solaris and it talks to me. Oh, oh hell yeah. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> and then I hallucinate in the hallucination because of the lake. Okay. Uh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's uh I don't know if I mentioned it in the Solaris or we should have mentioned it in the Venture Brothers, but the uh like you have to come to me as my dead father. You really think that's the best way for you to <laughs> to come in me in a vision? Oh yeah. Would you rather I look like my actual self? <laughs> would horrify you, destroy your mind. <laughs> Can't fathom what an alien would look like. Oh man! Oh yeah, Hell Nine Thousand Beacon one too. I'd be Hell Nine Thousand. I could Just shut people be a down. Computer. Uh. I'm afraid I can't do that. <laughs> Just troll people all over the place. We could troll people together. You'd oh, there you go. I just. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, well, when they invent these dystopian drugs, I guess we all know where we would be and what we would be doing. Ryan would be on a lake, or he would be the lake. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, the lake yeah. is sentient in Solaris. Would you be the sentient lake? <laughs> yeah, I could be the lake. That's yeah. interesting. Like, feel the fish in <laughs> yeah. me. and mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a different experience. Rad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit. Uh, man, uh, this movie makes you feel like you're high when you're talking about it. Um, <laughs> uh, well, um, I would recommend this movie. I'm just going to say it uh, outright because um, it's a weird, wild time. And I think that it's good for one watch. Uh, I don't know about repeat viewings. For me, I'm going to watch it a few more times eventually. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know about for other people. So, uh, yeah, I'd recommend it for one watch. Um, Dixon, what do you think? I would definitely recommend it. I think there's a lot of fascinating ideas in it. The animation looks great. And it's a, it's a wild time. I think it's definitely, uh, definitely worth watching. Uh, Ryan? Probably a refute from me. Um, I think it just didn't hit an, enough of anything. Um, I did, you know, the animation is interesting, and that like potential examination is interesting, but it just doesn't land enough. Yeah, reasonable. That's a reasonable refute right there. Yep, understand where you're coming from there. Well, there you have it, everybody. Uh, you have two two recommends and one refute. Uh, you make up your mind. You decide when you want to take the drugs um, and, and watch this. <laughs> 
or take the this and watch the drugs. I don't know how it goes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that that about does it. it, it for this this movie is perfectly set up to take like an edible. Oh like, yeah. By the time absolutely. it kicks in, Definitely, you're yeah. in the cartoons, like mm-hmm. industry funded, probably if I had to guess, you know, <laughs> they got some kind of funding there. Um, well, this concludes the Congress on the Congress. Um, so, uh, yeah, everybody, there you go. Two recommends, one refute. Um, thank you for joining us on this episode of Afterthoughts. I have been your host, John Garcia. With me, as always, Ryan King. Ultimately, everything makes sense and everything is in our mind. Oh, nice. Yeah, wow. Well, that's a good quote from that movie. <laughs> and? Michael Dixon. Uh, I kept thinking that the Congress was going to be referring to sexual Congress, and that never happened. But um, anyway, uh, thanks for putting up with our bullshit. (laughs) Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.